No, Ooh, we gonna, we gonna Denzel. Lil Denzel in the tank top. Yeah, you know we do. Ooh, shit. <laughs> I like this. You know what this is? Of course. Coming in. <laughs> this is a long intro. This is back when music was music. When back they, when music was music, man. When they barely sang for for no. a ten minute song, they just let a man play instruments for a while. Because the people got to dance. The people got to dance. Yeah. I love this video because. Uh, <laughs> Because Rick James is really focused in the studio. Yeah. He's working real hard now yeah. that he get his shit together. Which is interesting. Because, like, a song about a girl that does too much cocaine, you would yeah. think Rick James would not be down for it. You know? He's like, no, no, no. I got to sober up so that I can help my man make a song about cocaine girls. That's right. Khaled did his... Yeah. Are you a Khaled fan? Are you a big fan of what DJ Khaled does? A lot of people have been asking me that recently. Oh, no, I'm sorry. It that's is. happening to you. <laughs> it's like, yo, do y'all think I followed him on Snapchat? One week, you know? One week of, hey man, of being I inspired. You, you bought a bunch of DJ Khaled merch, <laughs> and uh, I'm wondering, are you a big fan? Or? I mean, I, I thought I was included in We. <laughs> he said we the best. I thought I, I was a part of we. Yeah. No, I'm not. I'm not a big Khaled fan, but I do check him out. I do check mm. out what he does. Yeah, you know, I don't want a Khaled song to sneak in, and mm. I don't like you know I'm last to it. Oh, I got you. Like when Wild Thoughts happened, it was like, yeah, yeah, yeah I heard yeah. that. I was, I've been on I was that. angry in honor of Carlos Santana. Sure, but, you know. I think that's my my big issue with him is that like I'm all for uh, for a motherfucking remix. I was a, a Diddy head as a boy, a, mm -hmm. a Diddy daddy. I think we were yeah. calling ourselves. <laughs> uh, I didn't know about the Diddy daddies. <laughs> well, you weren't a part of the crew, <laughs> but uh, he doesn't. That's a mommy. <laughs> <laughs> you got to spell the O with a little scent sign. Yeah, yeah. yeah I get it. The, I, I think my issue with DJ Khaled is that he rarely hides his remixes. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, it literally is just the song mm -hmm. with a little more bass and snare. And then he's like, we did it again. And yeah. it's like, bro, I don't <laughs> think you did. I think you just took somebody else's music. Yeah. Well, I mean, he's DJ Khaled. He's not artist Khaled. That's fair. And, you know? And I've been holding him to a certain level of responsibility mm -hmm. that, that, frankly, he doesn't deserve. Yeah. No, he's just a DJ with a lawyer. <laughs> He's <laughs> like, oh, I'm gonna figure out how to commodify these remixes that I make. Yeah. Have you seen? He did an interview <laughs> recently where he's like uh, talking to that dude Speedy, and they're having like, oh uh, yeah, Speedy Warren. Yeah, yeah, and he, he's like, uh, he like gets really frustrated at one point because he says, you know what makes me angry is that there are really humans out there that don't believe in us. 
They don't believe in us. And he's like, they, they, it drives me nuts. They don't believe in us. And Speedy literally cannot keep from laughing in this man's face. Yeah, there's a part on this new album where he's like, they didn't believe in us. Jamaica did. <laughs> then he plays a reggae song. <laughs> well, that's how he ends the Speedy thing. He says, they didn't believe in us. And then he puts his glasses on and he goes, God did. And Speedy's like, Oh, bro, you're right. <laughs> you're right. God did believe in us. <laughs> There's a lot of God did on this on this God did album. It's it's crazy. Yeah, it's almost as if he uh, he planned this and is using it as a marketing scheme. <laughs> yeah. What a silly um, man. I I do appreciate that. I appreciate a good artist who who's funny and or silly mm-hmm. uh, despite their their skill set. Okay. You know what I mean? Like I once I once went to an NBA All-Star game uh where DJ Khaled and Fat Joe were were the the coaches of the celebrity team mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and uh Fat Joe did Fat Joe shit. He sat on, you know, well he stood up and he marched around and he he his hat was was, you know, very firmly on his head. He, okay. he was doing responsible Fat Joe shit mm-hmm. and the entire time DJ Khaled was asleep on the bench. Like fully passed out, like hilarious on he's drugs, alcohol. I don't know, <laughs> but he's fully passed out. And then at halftime, he woke up, took like three threes, missed all of them horribly, and then went back to sleep. That's that's oh, God level behavior. Coach. No, no, <laughs> Wait. no. Let's not get this confused. <laughs> he was he was in a fucking uh, Letterman's jacket and okay. jeans the entire time. He was not supposed to be that's shooting. Crazy. He opted towards it, fucked up, and and then went back to sleep. Wow, you know that it's nuts because the celebrity games are on Friday. Like yeah. you got a whole All Star weekend ahead of you. No, cool people weren't already, even there yet. <laughs> you're already passed out. Yeah, this wasn't like a super popping celebrity game either. No. Like the star player, I think was Lil Romeo. It wasn't okay. This wasn't like legendary shit. This was truly like, all right. Well, I apologize to all my little Romeo fans. Hey, like, excuse me, Romeo. He's no longer Lil. He's the most mature out of. You know his class. He came up at the at the verses between uh, Bow Wow and Soldier Boy, and was like, mm. "Why are we arguing? We're all grown." <laughs> like, <laughs> I just wanted to be on the same stage as Bow Wow because it's never happened. Yeah, like I'm. We're not rivals anymore. No, nah, nobody's like, <laughs> nobody's wondering what this beef is gonna turn into. I have rap snacks residuals. Yeah, yeah I'm yeah. good. You know, <laughs> like. <laughs> Yeah, I I uh I do appreciate Romeo's maturation. Mm-hmm. He went to college. I see DC. Yeah, well, he didn't go to that college, <laughs> but he did promote that college for yeah, other he, people to he go went to. to USC. Yeah, <laughs> he went to a pretty legitimate mm-hmm. school, and then he mm-hmm. was like, "You dumb motherfuckers, you can go over here. You can yeah. you can go to ICDC if you want." Um, let me introduce you to the people. People who don't know. My special guest yeah. this episode, Langston Kerman. Fuck yeah. You might have seen Langston on Insecure. Uh-oh. You might have seen Langston on Bless This Mess. Goddamn. The Boys. Ooh. You might have seen him on Bust Down. Woo! He's the head writer 
executive producer oh, man. of Eating Ass with Coleman <laughs> Domingo. <laughs> Not the creator. <laughs> Not the creator. <laughs> Pause with Sam J. Hell yeah. Most importantly, JFL. Class of 2015, 2015 new face, baby. And we Adam did it. Divine's house party. <laughs> same year, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, same year. Fuck yeah, yeah, we did it both. Season four, Hawaii. What's up? The only season that matters, if you ask me. Paramount Plus just broke me off with sixteen bucks. Did you? Know you? What I mean? you got yeah. some money? Yeah. Oh man, I I don't see much money from Adam Divine's house party. Pay those sag dudes, dog. Oh, is that what it yeah, is? I'm behind. Them Thirty-two cent checks, right? <laughs> adding up. You know what I mean? <laughs> Oh boy, I gotta get that that thirty two. <laughs> that was a fun fucking. That was a good trip. It was incredible. It was incredible to go from like I was, I was in a, I was down bad at that point. Oh, weren't we all, my man? <laughs> like, like if something went awry, I would not be. I would just live in Hawaii. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would start the Hawaii scene, or the Hawaii scene would turn up because it's like yeah. where I got stuck out here. And now this is what he does. We were talking about, you were just talking about SAG dues. I literally, that was the gig that got me into SAG. And it sucks for those of y'all at home that don't realize this. Screen Actors The Screen Actors Guild is a union that is meant to protect actors. But in order to enter the Screen Actors Guild, you have to pay a giant lump sum of money Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. in order to get in the motherfucker. And so for Adam Devine, I don't remember what we made, but I basically had to pay like four grand just to be able to go shoot a thing that was not paying me it wasn't paying four four grand grand. i know that i don't know how much you got i know how much i got it wasn't four it wasn't even if it was that it wasn't after taxes and lawyer all the shit that made it not what it is so it was a real like i'm in the hole after this somehow Mm -hmm. but it was like oh i get a free week in hawaii just looking at at bad bitches and telling jokes this is incredible this is cool man um, yeah, no, I uh, I do feel bad because I never had you on my previous podcast. Yeah, no, I took that very personally. <laughs> the Book of Yay. Yeah. And it was only because you were... You were doing so well. I didn't want to tarnish your brand. Like it was like <laughs> I'm not even gonna ask Langston to do my podcast so that he says something wild and then they like stops his heat. Like you know, this man hotter than fish grease. I, I it was interesting because I watched you guys go through the transition through Book of Yay of being like these hardcore <laughs> Kanye stands yeah. to then being Kanye apologists. <laughs> To them being like fully like, hey, bro, we ain't even here with this dude no more, but the premise still stands. So this is what we're doing. And I think I was already further on the the I don't fuck with this shit no more spectrum yeah, yeah, that yeah. it was like, oh, I, I'm no I'm not going to be no fun on there. Anyway. Yeah, yeah. I um, It was weird because in my head, starting it, this is the Colbert Report. Kanye is George Bush. I'm uh, Stephen Colbert. I'm playing a character that is like a hardcore Kanye. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Fan, like, I am a fan, but I'm like playing it up where, like, in my opinion, Kanye could do no wrong. You're, right? You truly believe in, in all of it. Mm-hmm, yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. But then what happened is people are not separating it from me. <laughs> and they're like, you know, blacks from Trump started coming to my shows, sure. like giving me gifts and yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. And then that got weird. And then also 
you know, people in my family, my friends, they didn't believe me when I'm like, nah, like, I'm not. I'm doing a bit. I'm doing a bit. Yeah. They're like, nah, you're not doing a bit. Nah, I'll be honest. I didn't know you were doing a bit. I, I thought you were legitimately like, nah, I'll defend this man till the day I die for a long time. No, I just thought I thought it would be funner <laughs> if I, like, amped it up. Like, there's, there's, there's sometimes where I, you know, especially, like, because we started right before... He started playing with the president thing, mm. and then mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it got to a whole other weird place. You know? Yeah, I actually, I, I think I ebbed and flowed uh, in in my sort of like disdain for what he was doing, where mm-hmm. it, I became more sympathetic as we went along, mm-hmm. uh, as we the the universal we, not the DJ Khaled we, but the. <laughs> I, I think I ebbed and flowed where it was like, oh, I, I feel a sympathy towards this person because a lot of like the shit that he was doing felt like the same same shit he used to pull when he was younger mm-hmm. for like album releases where it's yeah. like, oh, this is attention getting and shit. Mm-hmm. But he ran out of games and he became more and more sort of trapped in his own mental illness and it became just him like ah i'll be the fucking president and slavery ain't real and it's like oh man you're just hurting bro and Mm -hmm. i I see that now Mm -hmm. i can't judge that just keep making your little jesus songs i'm i'm chilling yeah yeah but i mean had it had a stranglehold definitely on me for a long time (laughs) (laughs) what made you stop why'd you give it up it's stop the podcast yeah um, part of Chris didn't want anything to do with oh, it sure. after a while. <laughs> and then also we were never in the same place. I got you. And uh I don't know. I just uh I, I was I was out on him for, for a minute, you know. Mm. Yeah. Oh, I forgot. You right on Southside. Oh yeah, yeah, but uh, you don't have to list all my guy well yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you ain't gotta list all my stupid ass credits. Well, no. I, that's that's one I'm I shouldn't leave out. <laughs> sure, they also employ you. You yeah, might as well yeah. uh, serve daddy at home. You know. <laughs> oh man! So this podcast, I don't know if you're familiar. We have one rule here. Mm-mm. Is it don't cuss? Because I've already broken it. No, nope, that's, that's the... not the rule. Fuck yeah! Uh, the the rule is typically. Well, typically it's no Googling anything, no looking anything up. Oh, great. I, I had no intention of reaching for my phone. Yeah, so uh, people have been tired of me making people guess for 15 minutes because oh, I did okay. that for like seven episodes yeah, straight. Yeah, yeah. And they're like, the gig is up, okay? <laughs> so, yeah, they're they're tired of that. So sure. now, yeah, we just have to go. Um, Langston, what... Reruns do you watch? Do you watch any reruns? If mm. you had to pick one show that you've already seen that you would like to see again, what would that be? Uh, I just, uh, and reruns is, I think we're using it in the slightly antiquated phrase, right? Where it's like, oh, I just stream some bullshit. I'm not like going on TBS and watching shit. I'm more looking for your TBS answer, but oh. if you have if you have a streaming thing that you're streaming, because I I do that, I'll stream in the house and I'll pick a random episode, so it's like I'm flipping through the channel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I uh, that's gross. Sometimes uh, I'll fast forward <laughs> like five minutes and then try to figure out what's going on. You'll cut like, off little jokes and yeah. be like, "Oh, damn, a commercial break." <laughs> <laughs> oh, damn! I'll never figure out what Elaine said. <laughs> 
No, I Seinfeld. If, okay. if that's on TBS, I'm watching the shit out of Seinfeld. Hell yeah. yeah! I imagine you're a big Seinfeld fan. Love Seinfeld. Yeah, Seinfeld's yeah. great. I uh, watched it too young. Watched it when it was on. Oh, didn't appreciate it. Well, no, I just was didn't know anything. I was a, a toddler oh, and a then a, a young boy watching Seinfeld. You were a boy letting George Costanza make you a man, and that's, yeah, yeah, that's but a complicated I, those cold upbringing. opens. I feel like I always knew about stand up. For like, I never didn't know about stand up yeah. because of watching Seinfeld at such a young age. Yeah, it's so funny because uh, his cold opens are legitimately the only stand up I've ever laughed at from him. Like, I I yeah. truly don't find Jerry Seinfeld funny at all. I'm sorry to burn the bridge <laughs> here. Uh, <laughs> that motherfucker is dry to me. Wow. But uh, but those cold <laughs> opens used to make me laugh as a kid and like as a slightly older person. Now I'm like, move it along, Jerry. I want to see what George is up to. See, those are his bits, though. Like, yeah, the no. bits that he put in the show were his, like, actual bits. Yeah, I know, but it, 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 without the context and without that beep-beep-boop-de-doop behind it, it's like, ah, fuck you, I don't So he needed an upright bass. <laughs> like, if he was a duo, if it was, like, Jerry and the bass. Jerry and Jazz, come on. <laughs> That's pretty you, cool. Yeah, yeah. I, now I'm a big fan. But otherwise, it's just a smug billionaire telling me how sandwiches taste. Fuck but he you. wasn't a billionaire at the time. He, he was, was I mean, getting close. He was a millionaire that did take a pay cut to do a sitcom, but oh. then it ended up working out for him. Yeah, but I that's because the worked comedy in his boom. favor for sure. They were making so much money back then. Yeah, no, there's I I I'll never forget it. Kyle Ayers told me this story. I think where where he said that uh, that Jim Brewer. You say what you want about Jim Brewer now, <laughs> but back when Jim Brewer wasn't a psychopath or at least not the version of psychopath he is now uh <laughs> he he told kyle a story that the first time he went to jfl was not him being booked there but him actually just tagging along with Chappelle and wanda sykes that he just was like yo y'all are going i'll come and hang out and he was so funny and chill just chilling just mm -hmm. going to after parties and like hanging out that they offered him a two hundred and fifty thousand dollar pilot deal that like just some execs in the room were like, yo, whoever that is, give him a pilot because mm -hmm. he's great. They um, Craig Ferguson said he did JFL and he got a holding deal and he wasn't even a citizen <laughs> in the United States. Like he had to get a visa and everything and switch yeah. over just so he could be rich over here. And that's I crazy. heard all these stories and that's what gave me all the anxiety when I went sure. <laughs> in 2015 and all that was over. And then I got back and had to pay for this trip I took to Canada. I Well, number one, <laughs> because you did you did Unrepped at the time. I did Unrepped. And yeah. Unrepped they did especially dirty because they, they wouldn't pay for your hotel. <laughs> <laughs> that's the, the way they made y'all travel is by... Giant steamboat, mm -hmm. but but no, they 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 wouldn't pay for the hotels. Nope. They pretty much treated y'all like this was a favor they were doing to you mm -hmm. uh, to allow you to be there. And since they've sort of corrected some of those wrongs, at least with the new classes and shit, wouldn't pay for the hotel, and you had to stay with a roommate. Right, that's right. And they'd pick your roommate. Fuck. Like there was a guy in our class, Caleb signing. One of my best friends yeah. started comedy together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They knew we both got it, <laughs> and they wouldn't put us in a room together. Fuck. 
Yeah, it's it, not even a competition. It's not like we would have gotten no, an advantage. Or, like, we're you, on the same show, same night. They were like, yeah. you guys are going to plot together. Yeah. This is, this you can't guys work. are going to be laughing all night. We can't have that. No, you can't have fun at Jamesville. Yeah. Change in front of strangers. <laughs> <laughs> no, I yeah, I don't even remember. Oh, uh, Seinfeld is one. Mm-hmm. Uh, I recently... Uh, and I believe they still sometimes show it. Samurai Jack. I'll go back to Samurai okay. Jack like a okay. motherfucker. Do you count that as anime? Is that anime? Sa- Samurai Jack is not anime, but Samurai Jack is fun animation. It's sort of playing, you know, okay. the the tsunami of it all mm-hmm. uh, introduced a, a world of animation and then blended that with actual anime that, like, let us okay. blur the lines a little bit. But I think Samurai Jack is is a classic cartoon. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. The voice of Samurai Jack was Phil Lamar. Phil Lamar. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Black man. Dope. Dope. Heck yeah. I need to go back and revisit Samurai Jack. I don't think I watched it since its original run. You know what's crazy? Did you did you ever finish it? Did you ever see I, I did not finish it. There is a fifth season that is dark than a motherfucker. Yeah. Like like truly like he is because you know the entire journey is this dude just trying to get back to the time that he's from. Mm-hmm. And then the fifth season is him like fully turning like manic and realizing he's never getting back. And so he he almost goes like dark Batman type shit. And Dang. he's like murdering people and like he's going up against enemies he can't beat. And mm-hmm. like he ends up falling in love, but the girl he falls in love with has like secrets and shit. It's crazy dark. It's like Hawkeye, uh in the in the end game, yeah, he starts going, yeah, yeah going Mo- ham, yeah, Mohawk Hawkeye, mm-hmm. Mohawk, mm-hmm. he goes in, <laughs> <laughs> Mohawk, he goes in Asia and just starts, yeah, he starts, starts killing, killing Chinese people, people. Yeah, and that's yeah, that's yeah. not right. I think they were yeah. Japanese, but either way, he was killing a lot of Asian. He people. was in Russia. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> he didn't exclusively yeah, kill Asian yeah. people. He killed he, other people yeah. too. He was over there. Killing. I think they brought him up when he was killing Mexicans, and then they were like, <laughs> "Oh, we got to find him," and then he had already made it all the way to Japan, killing those people. <laughs> <laughs> oh, as man. long as he wasn't killing good, God fearing whites, that's yeah, what I said. Yeah, then then they would they would have got that movie out of here. Yeah, yeah, that's a bad mm-hmm. film if you ask mm-hmm. me. You got it. Get a stamp on your passport if you want to be a murderer yeah. in a Marvel movie. <laughs> Langston, would you rather have scales or have fur? Mm. Oh boy. <laughs> oh, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say fur. Yeah. I think because fur uh seems to be able to manage all types of weather better. Like, okay. like a dog can manage heat and cold, mm. but a lizard can't. You know what I mean? Like a lizard lizard gets fucked up in cold real fast. So you think you got scales with the same blood? Oh, I was hoping I <laughs> the blood matched the the, okay, the addition okay. of the okay. the body parts, but yeah, yeah. but if I got the same blood, then I'm going scales. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, because then that's just like that's just like a cool accessory. And mm-hmm. Nothing to get in the way. Fur, mm-hmm. that's gonna stink. Yeah. I don't know. I I I was thinking about this today. I think I the, would go the fur and scales yeah, you were thinking about yeah, today. Like yeah. just you woke up and you were like, "Damn, Rob." I was like, I, was, <laughs> I, I wonder what Langston, how Langston would feel 
Scales versus fur, you know? Oh, you were thinking about my reaction mm-hmm. to scales versus mm-hmm. fur. And and I'd love, I think you were already doing it. What is your personal preference in scale versus fur? I, I would go with scales. Mm. Just because I'm not a big body hair person. Yeah. Like, I see it. If I had, like, a laser that could just eliminate most of it. You know that I technology would. does exist. Yeah, but I, you, as a as a... As a man, I don't know if I feel comfortable just getting lasered. I'm not even going to lie to you. I've done it. And then been pissed when it grows back. Yeah, well, that's the hard part. It's like, it ain't, I think you hope it's just going to be like a single lasering. Mm -hmm. And it is not. It's like a very, you have to go routinely and and, and multiple, multiple times to even get an effective like reduction of it. And if you stop, if because I started, I have like a little bit of back hair that I was okay. trying to like okay. knock out. I started, and then pandemic hit, and I was like, "Fuck it, I'm not, I'm not gonna keep showing up to these ladies' offices okay. and uh, feeling shame." Mm-hmm. And uh, and as it turns out, that motherfucker comes right back. Dang, that's crazy. Yeah, yeah, no. I, I... Also, I got to get in shape before I do something like that. Oh, I got you. Because they're like, yo, this hair was helping you yeah. cover up some of this <laughs> you got going on, dog. Like, I, I'd have to get in the gym first. Yeah, you got You want to have, like, the, the muscles to match what you're you're exposing, mm-hmm, I guess, to mm-hmm, the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, do you think there will ever be a time where, like, it's cool in the black community to not have a shape up? Mm-hmm. Here's what I thought, and I, I think they really tried this, and I've had this argument a few times. In fact, uh, Janelle James did uh, uh, talked about this conspiracy theory on my podcast once. I have long believed that they've uh, made it uh, safe for, or the, the, the best way to sell a black man is without a shape up, right? Barack Obama at his most successful was a man with a very mid haircut, you know what I mean? He didn't have like a clean lineup and shit. Now he does. I don't does. know about that. You telling me Barack felt like he was sitting in the barber chair? I f- I feel like Barack giving that speech, his acceptance speech, and like Jesse Jackson crying in the crowd. That's the best taper lineup I've ever seen on Barack. You're you're out of your mind. When Barack, when after post presidency, when we're seeing Barack shoot jumpers and and run sexy on the beach, okay, that motherfucker is he. That shit's hidden. That's yeah. a clean line. Yeah, yeah. The early shit, he had like a soft, no. okay, pushback. Two thousand four. <laughs> Yeah. Democratic convention, mm-hmm. yeah, no that that ain't that ain't the same level of haircut. No, by they gave him a supercut. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Once once Hillary dropped out, the haircuts went up. They crisped it a little <laughs> bit, sure. Yeah, but I think to the larger point that there's a lot of examples of very successful rich black men mm. who do not have clean lineups, okay. and I think that makes it easier for a white audience to like. Uh, to, to make peace with them, I guess, or see whatever they got going on. So, so the Cosby show was successful off of Theo's hairline. Theo trash hairline. <laughs> Phil, uh, uh, you know, he he had a fucking garbage hairline. Bill Cosby never had a nice haircut. But they're, they're from a different era. That era wasn't about hairlines. You're out of your damn mind. Eddie Murphy had a clean haircut. But he was the young guy. 
All right. He well. was like, that's like that's like the skinny jeans of their time. It's like your young boys out here edging up your fronts. Look at you. You wasted all that time. What was that, 15 minutes of your day? You could have been out here surprising women. <laughs> yeah, no, Ahmad Rashad, that picture of him, OJ, and, and uh uh, Bill Cosby yeah. at his wedding, you know? And yeah, yeah, It's yeah. like, yeah, no hairline in sight. No, not at all. <laughs> and then, yeah, Amar Rashad never, he, it took years before he cleaned his hair up, and that was the divorce and him being back mm-hmm. out in these streets mm-hmm. and shit. He took some of that pop secret money mm-hmm. and, and invested in a barbershop. Is that what you know Amar Rashad for, this? <laughs> <laughs> it's his pop secret, yep. and then it's the inside stuff. Yeah, that was... And then it's the rumor that he was an NFL wide receiver. Uh, Oh sure, <laughs> that's a. I would have gone inside stuff first. Yeah, yeah. Then the wide receiver, and then pops. That that's okay. where I'm at. All but, right, but I hear you. Yeah, yeah. Amar Rashad, uh, he was in the Last Dance. Hmm. Hmm. Interviewing Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan did not care. Had, no, had the shades on. It's one of those. It's such a funny thing because there have been so many people. Over the course of like probably the you know Michael's entire career, mm-hmm. who have claimed him as their best friend, and yeah. Michael Jordan has never once claimed any of these people That's as his so best friend. So funny, yeah, yeah. Amar Rashad is like he's my best friend in the whole world, and Michael's like I don't know, he's fine. <laughs> and then Charles is like honestly, me and Michael the bond could never break, and he's like I, I truly would dismount Charles. They haven't spoken in twenty years. Yeah, because Charles said something kind of. Negative about him, and Michael was like, "When Fuck he was that on dude. the Wizards, yeah, he was like, the, he's not as good at basketball." And Michael was like, "I'll never be your friend again." Yeah, it was just nuts because, like, everyone makes fun of Jordan on the Wizards. Yeah, it's just Charles Barkley's in his call log. But also, I think it's because he he had not made peace with the fact that Charles had transitioned out. Yeah. Like, you're not a player anymore. You're a dude who talks shit on, you know, TV. Mm -hmm. And he's like, nah, but you're supposed to be my my boy. You're supposed to be my man, and you believed in me. And now, here you are not. Mm -hmm. I'll never fucking forgive you. It's nuts. Because he actually wanted Charles uh, and Patrick Ewing to, like, join him on the Wizards. And there was, like, a thing Mm. about them practicing and stuff. and. Charles like dropped out and like uh, I think Patrick ended up playing on the Magic at that time. Yeah, yeah, he yeah. had a he had a year in the Ma- mm-hmm. in, uh, in mm-hmm. Orlando. Mm-hmm. Oof, hard to watch. Yeah, yeah not good rough, basketball. Rough days. Yeah, mm-hmm. all those. There was a a time where like veterans really turned to veterans and like but were still like the big names in the league somehow. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. that that year that it was like Charles Barkley, Clyde Drexler, Olajuwon, and I think Scotty were all on the Rockets together. Yeah. And it was fucking, oof, they looked like old men. They looked like old men. Yeah, Yeah. it just looked like the oldest dudes in the league, but they were still technically like the big stars, and it was a weird transition for the NBA. They got a lot of Sunday games, a lot of Sunday uh, on NBC games. <laughs> With big old pads on their knees and mm-hmm, shit. Mm-hmm. Langston, uh, we've we've hooped together. Yes, we have. Yeah. What what would you say about the Rob Hayes uh, <laughs> experience? Game? Yeah. Oh. Uh, <laughs> oof. <laughs> uh, oof. 
Listen, I'll say this. Uh, you, you're a good rebounder. Okay. You, you hustle okay. hard for those rebounds. I do. I do. And I, I won't take that from you one, yeah. one second. Mm -hmm. Everything else, uh, I plead the fifth, you okay. know? Okay. <laughs> All right. Now, I, I've learned on other podcasts I've listened to yeah. that you used to do martial arts growing up. Oh yeah, I did. I I was a I I did uh I did karate karate. Okay. Uh, I, think I was, was gonna say that, but then I was like, if you jump out with karate and it's not, people get upset. Yeah, no, I think technically it was taekwondo, but you know, <laughs> it was one of those things where like I was in a sub a suburban neighborhood, so mm -hmm. all of it's meaningless. It's just a dude who like kind of studied for a few months and then became the the sensei of this rec center you know what i mean so yeah. i yeah i i made it all the way to uh to green belt okay yeah okay were there like kids your age in your class mm -hmm. there was so i i actually in a weird way had a bunch had a, a bunch of people who i kind of like developed with like we all started together with this dude sensei jojo that was, okay. He was this, this real buff Asian dude named Sensei Jojo. He was fucking good as shit. And his his uh, his vice sensei, I don't know if that's the correct term, <laughs> but his his number two sensei was mm -hmm. this lady named Sensei Princess, and she also was really dope. But then Sensei Jojo left, okay. and Pr Sensei Princess started her own shit that was above the library across the street from my school. Okay. And so we would like go into this room above the library, and once Sensei Princess took over she started bugging she like started incorporating like christianity <laughs> into the karate so y'all are like Gee, <laughs> yeah like we would have to like recite <laughs> biblical verses while we were like doing karate and shit and it got fucking weird and my dad's an atheist and i wasn't you know what i mean like i didn't come for this she would yeah. like send us home with like you need to read psalms chapter 13 such and such before you come back here and tell me why that matters to your high kicks and then we were like i think we're i think it's wow good. sensei princess really wow. let the power go sensei to her head. princess yeah was princess uh was sensei princess black absolutely she was <laughs> you know once she incorporated god into karate that that was a black lady Doing black lady shit. <laughs> black like, lady karate show. Yeah, having karate <laughs> practice above a library is hilarious. It's already, <laughs> listen, it was already starting in a bad place. Do you know what I mean? I would have to literally but, walk through through stacks past like people studying and shit mm -hmm. in my in my gi, in, in my gi. in my shit, and then get, you know, fully dressed upstairs and then go in. That's already not like super encouraging, but then when I get up there and you're like, now you're telling me I'm a sinner, it's <laughs> this is too much. You know what I mean? How do I spar <laughs> when I'm a sinner? You didn't win because you're filled yeah. with sin. It's like, oh boy, Sensei Princess, I'm gonna go. I uh, I took karate at a Ben Hill gym in Atlanta. Mm. And um, our sensei's name was Coach Bell. <laughs> <laughs> and, I love the starting point because he's already like, look, I'm not legit. Yeah. Just call me Coach. <laughs> and uh, Coach Bell would have us do duck walks for like 30 minutes oh. on some like Daniel Sun type of stuff. And then the last 30, we might do kicks or a kata or something. And then... Um, 
No one in our class was my age. Everyone was way younger. Oh, no. (laughs) And so, like, uh, yeah, because I'm like, yo, I'm going to take karate. It says (laughs) says 6 to 18 on the thing. Listen, it says all ages welcome. I need the discipline. I fall into that category. (laughs) You know, I want to, like, yeah, I want to train. I'm in high school. It's like, it's time. It's time. I need this, you know? These boys keep fucking with me. I need to study. (laughs) There's no other options here besides this 6 to 18-year-old class. So uh, this girl in my in my class at school, her little brother was in my karate oh, class. Oh, no, Rob! <laughs> she told, Rob, no! She told everybody <laughs> that I was in a karate class with her brother, and this is around the time that like Ether came out. It was like all bad. It was all bad. You're thirty six in a karate class. <laughs> Yeah, man. Oh, man. Yeah. Well, it was Fuck. probably because, like, you know, when it was the belt ceremony, I sparred against this little kid <laughs> and kicked the shit out of him. So it's like, yo, I'm about to tell our language arts class that you did this. Wait, was this like a girl you liked? Was she like a, a up to this point? Was this a person you, not necessarily sexually, but that you, you, you enjoyed her company and shit? I mean, she was she was cool. She was so no, she she was. So she this was, was real. Yeah. This was real, like scoundrel behavior that she turned on you and announced it to everybody. No, nah, she was like one of them people that like couldn't hold water. Oh. You know, just like it wasn't like it wasn't like oh I'm gonna ruin Rob's day, but it was just kind of like. Hey, I saw. Hey, I saw him outside <laughs> of school. I have to tell everyone. Wait, so this this wasn't so much an an announcement. It was just a yeah. It just became a thing she told people. Yeah, because like other people are malicious, and they're like, "This is exactly what I needed today." This nigga takes karate. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man, that's that's. Do you have a bit about this? This I do not. Maybe the greatest story I've ever heard in my life. (laughs) Just an old man in a karate class beating up his. His classmate siblings. I, I mean, I probably didn't put it together that it was like as crazy as it was until like later. I think that's know? one of the funny things about like uh, about stand up and maybe just the human experience in general is like you you spend so much time like I just need a bit. I need to come up with something, and mm-hmm. it's like oh, all of your lived experiences are silly. And yeah. it's going to take a while for you to unearth a bunch of them. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. my God, is there always going to be a well to draw from of like stupid shit that you've done that's happened to you that should have never came to be? You yeah. Know what I mean? Yeah. No, I'm, I'm learning that now. And it's so funny because um, like for the longest I was fighting that for mm-hmm. the longest I was like, I'm going to be the guy that just has jokes about potato chips yeah. you know like yeah, yeah, yeah. and like you know i i felt like that was gonna be like a statement because i i've i hated so much the like you gotta address the elephant in the room and the thought mm-hmm. process that if you're black that's the elephant in the room yeah and so i always wanted to attack stand up like hey my ideas are valid right. and it doesn't have to, you know i don't have to talk about race I don't have to shell this in blackness yeah. uh, in order to talk about my black-ass interpretation mm-hmm. of potato chips. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. But then 
and then also there's like the other struggle and then then on the other side it was like all right there's an expectation of what comedy is and i if i reach for that i'm just gonna be trying hard Mm. and so then you know yeah, I think that's uh, the scary thing with stand-up. And uh, I think, I forget who I was talking about this with the other day. It might have been Gitler, Gitler Raphael. I don't know if you know him at all. Okay. But very funny dude from Boston, now lives out here. But I was just saying that, like, there's these massive points in our careers where we are just sort of emulating people mm-hmm. we admire mm-hmm. because we think that that is ultimately how we are going to come to be successful in stand-up. Yeah. So it's not so much copying as it is like being like, I will be like this or this person. Mm-hmm. And it takes a long time. I've been doing it now almost 13 years. And it took a long time for me to be like, oh, the way that that person does it is actually going to work to my detriment. Mm-hmm. Like I, mm-hmm. I can get jokes off that way, but it's not going to be how I shape a real uh, identity and ultimately find success in this art form. I have to be creating a version of my own voice that that is distinct from everybody else. Yeah, no, that that's um, yeah, that's interesting because I don't even think I realized I was doing that. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just like I don't know how to do this. Yeah, these people I love—they're the reason why I do this. Exactly. And so, like for the longest, I was like. Michael Jackson died. I'm doing comedy. <laughs> I, like this is what I this is what I've always wanted to do. Let me just jump into it. You know what I'm saying? What a starting point. <laughs> Michael Jackson died. I'm doing comedy. That's my origin story. Cause I'm like, yo, Eddie Murphy got a Michael Jackson bit. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Martin got a Michael Jackson bit. Chris Tucker, like like black comedy kind of has a tree post-Richard Pryor of you have to comment on Michael Jackson. Somebody's like, got to say something about I'm Michael Jackson. I'm never going to get a chance to have a Michael Jackson bit. Yeah. I have to get in the game, yeah, yeah, you yeah. know? <laughs> but then I'm like, I'm trying to do what those guys all were doing, right. which is like comment on culture. And it's like, I don't even have an understanding of why people would want to listen to me. Yeah, and that's that's the hardest part is that the easiest version, easiest, and none of it's easy, but the, the sort of entry point for a lot of stand-up, especially today, is commentary on culture. Mm-hmm. It is sort of these observations about, like, the things around us in media, in, in entertainment, whatever mm-hmm. the fuck mm-hmm. it is. But to be a successful stand-up, I need to be able to connect to the the person Mm -hmm. inside and Mm -hmm. some of that has zero to do with entertainment or culture or celebrity it's truly like yo tell me your karate class story so that i know why i care about you and then you can tell me what you think about michael jackson Mm -hmm. and and everything Mm -hmm. else you know what Mm -hmm. i mean like it's it's a weird we often i think as stand-ups work backwards almost where we start with our observations about the shit but we gotta start we should be starting inside. Yeah. Now, Stephen Wright says that, like, stand-ups backwards. Like, you start in the toughest rooms, mm-hmm. and then you, like, you know, graduate to, like, theaters, which is the easiest. Yeah. And it's like, you know, if it was the opposite, then you would start in the theater, 
and then be able to do, you know, bar shows and, and open mics and stuff. Yeah, but then everybody <laughs> would like fucking do this shit. And it's yeah, like, yeah, uh, yeah. Gross. They would just do a theater and then leave. And yeah. Like, oh, well, I did it. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty much the best. <laughs> and it's like, oh, fuck you. I don't. Yeah, I'm good. Uh, Langston, you, you, I know you did comedy in New York and Boston. Yeah. Did you ever do comedy in Chicago? I did. I did nine months in Chicago before I moved to Boston. That's where I started. I, I Michael Jackson was not my origin story. <laughs> uh, Are you sure? Yeah, I'm I feel pretty like sure. you started around that same time. It was time. close to the same time, but it was Michael Vick. Yeah, Michael Vick going to jail. <laughs> Once I found out what he did to them dogs, I was like. I got to be funny because <laughs> I thought that dog shit was pretty cool. It turns out I'm not going to be able to make money that way. No, I, I, uh, yeah, I, I started cause I, uh, graduated college and then was living in my mom's basement again. Okay. You know what okay. I mean? Like I went back home and had zero opportunities other than working at my old high school. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, God damn, if, if I followed all these rules that people told me, and this shit ended me back with this lady and all all her stuff. I gotta I gotta figure something else out. Yeah. And you and you did it. Yeah. You did it, you know? You too. We, yeah, man. Michael Jackson and my mom. They both yeah. motivated us <laughs> differently, but my mom was supportive. I, I had my own room. I didn't have to be in the basement. Oh, I, the basement technically was my room. I, okay. I should give a little more clarity to okay. that. Like, yeah, this the wasn't... Stranger Things basement. A little bit, yeah. Okay. It was like a little bit of a this is this is my space, but it can be a shared space if people are if I opt to let people in. But if I want quiet and peace, I can cl- proclaim it as my own kind okay. of vibe. Yeah. You ever bring any any women any ladies to the basement? You know I did, Rob. Come on, <laughs> I'm not a I'm not a fool. <laughs> I had a basement. I had a basement and a futon. That's that's the right combination. Um. So I mean, like, where, are you sneaking them in? Are you sneaking them out? Are they just walking past you, introducing, like, "Hey, mom, this is so and so." Uh, a little bit of both. There were times where I snuck some some girls in. My mom, you know, her husband at the time were out the house. My sisters okay. are out the house. I can sneak somebody in. Uh, then there were times when it was more like legitimately. This is a girl I'm dating. I would like you to meet her kind of vibes. Got you. Uh, and, and yeah, no, nah, we had, there were some good basement years. Dope, dope. Yeah. That's what's up. I'm not mad at that basement. Yeah. Well, a lot of people don't know about you is that you have a degree in, in poetry. They do. Yeah, they don't. Uh, that I do. Uh <laughs> I do. I have a um, an MFA in poetry. Okay, that's why I moved to Boston. I was moving there to uh, to study to study poetry under under famed poets Robert uh, Robert Parrish, who, who is uh, not Robert Parrish. Why did <laughs> yo, I say Robert Parrish? I was about to say yo, Robert Parrish. <laughs> Robert Parrish. Is a poet. He's a poet. Yo, He's double an NBA zero legend. as a as a number is is poetic. <laughs> the chief as as uh, <laughs> as a poet. No, Robert Pinsky is was my professor. Who was a former poet laureate, and then Louise Glick was also okay. my professor, and she's also a, a former poet laureate. Okay. Yeah. Okay. All of this is super helpful to the listeners. Come I'm on, sure man. They're, they're Amanda riveted. Gorman listens to the show. Okay. Uh, well, you know. she is not a poet laureate, but she <laughs> she's doing she's doing something. Yeah. Hell yeah. So wait, what what does it take to be a laureate? 
Uh, I think be appointed by the most powerful white poets uh, of, you know, whatever organization kind of thing. It's it's basically means like you're kind of like poetry uh, president for a short period of time. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And so like, I don't know. Did you did you think like you were you looking towards that path? Mm hmm. Yeah, no, this is pre-comedy. Although by the time I went to grad school, I was doing comedy. But even then, I wasn't fully convinced or at least had not. I don't know how you felt when you started, but I wasn't. My ego isn't built in a way where I was like, I'm about to be the most famous comedian of all time. I think when I started, I was like, oh, this is fucking cool. And sometimes it works, but I'm going to make sure I have a solid backup plan yeah. to, to sort of support it. Because I don't know if I'm going to be successful at this. And so I, my plan, granted, poetry is not a smart <laughs> plan, but my plan was I'll get this MFA and then I'll become a professor somewhere. Okay. And then I'll... Okay. Be able to write my poetry books mm -hmm. and then teach poetry or literature or whatever it is uh, throughout the day. And, okay. And boy, did that not work in my favor. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that, I, that seems like an even tougher path because at least in stand-up, even though it's, it's difficult mm -hmm. and there's like, you know, only like a small percentage of people kind of make it through yeah there's an infrastructure built to find stand-ups and mm. like push them through that i if if it's there for poets i you know i don't know about you, it. what's funny is it is there for okay. poets okay what's not funny is what's there is real sad it's it's not you know like like you said with us it's like jfl it's mm -hmm. fucking tv spots it's mm -hmm. writing opening for our heroes and mm -hmm. shit mm -hmm. uh the alternative is like you submit your own poems to these various journals mm -hmm. that only poets read and then those those journals eventually you you have enough of those sort of circulating that uh you can now get in touch with publishers and okay. you sort of build a little bit of a name for yourself and then subsequently you put together a manuscript that you try to get a publisher to put together but even then nobody buys poetry books so it's not like oh once i have a published book and it becomes whatever it becomes it's going to like it's not. I'm not gonna be on Oprah because of yeah. this shit. You know what I mean? I'm just gonna be somebody's teacher at Carnegie Mellon or whatever the fuck. Did you ever see yourself doing like the like deaf poetry jam type of circuit and stuff? Like I I auditioned uh, two different years for okay. deaf poetry jam when I was in high school. Oh wow! Yeah, so I came up uh, in Chicago uh, doing like the slam poetry scene there, and really? specifically. There is a uh, a competition that's the largest poetry competition in the world okay. called Louder Than a Bomb, based out of Chicago for youth, right? Youth poetry competition, I should say. And uh, I I came up in that, and I was super successful in that competition, and uh, had built a bunch of relationships. And so the people that were like already sort of hooked into the HBO shit like tapped me to be like, you should come audition for it. And I did it twice and never obviously made it. But yeah, I was, I tried like a motherfucker. Dang, that's, that's crazy. I, when I started, I actually didn't start doing jokes. I started doing like funny poems at Hell poetry yeah. nights. And sometimes I would do shows with like Georgia me and like abyss yeah. and like these poets that like lived in Atlanta and the South and stuff. 
and they would always complain. You know, I would like get big laughs. They always complain like about how little they made compared to comedians. Mm -hmm. And I was like, man, that's that's so interesting because in my head, (laughs) you see people on TV, they're doing the same amount of time. You're like their life is the same. You know, you just assume everyone on TV makes a ton of money. And yes. Now that's I I used to get so mad uh, even seeing when celebrities went on Deaf Poetry Jam because <laughs> it's like yo you're stealing spots from hardworking comedians Kanye Smokey Robinson yeah, Dave Chappelle what the fuck are y'all doing and they were all great obviously yeah. like it was fucking cool seeing them but there was a part of me that's like fuck you man Cedric the Entertainer got my spot yeah what are you doing what are you here for just let fucking poets do it you don't care about poetry and I saw that and I was like that's gonna be that me. nigga's funny yeah yeah no I I it 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 was. I, I have to imagine that there was a little bit of a turning point inside of seeing a Chappelle go on there and get as big of a sort of like, not just laughs, because he wasn't just getting laughs yeah. there, but like emotional reactions mm-hmm. from people that was like, oh, oh, poetry. But I think poetry has a limit uh, for me, or at least what it felt like for me personally, where it was like, Oh, all I can do with these words is make people reflective. But mm-hmm. if I could make people laugh and then reflect, whoa. Yeah. That's fucking, that's mm-hmm. a new level of shit. Mm-hmm. So that's, I think th- that in a weird way had like a, a, a second of catalyst inside of what made me ultimately pursue stand up. <laughs> James, was that James Brown? I I, I don't think so. Okay. Uh, James family, please don't. Yeah, please. No, yeah, please nothing to do with James me, Brown. That's know? uh, that's Miguel Brown. Yeah. <laughs> um, Langston, is there anything that you would like to tell the people? Anything you would like to promote where they can find you and whatnot? Uh, I, yeah, watch Bust Down. It's on Peacock. They canceled us, but you know, one season. <laughs> It's something. Also, uh, one of them's dead. So, you know, it makes it even more complicated. But, uh, yeah, watch Buzz Down. I didn't have to say any of that <laughs> stuff. I truly could have just said the thing and moved on. But we're all processing in our own pace. Uh, and and you can listen to my podcast. It's called My Mama Told Me. It, we, yeah, hell yeah. We talk about black conspiracy theories. Rob did an episode that was very fun. So wow. if you're a fan of this, go go see our silly shit over there. And it's it's co-hosted with my friend David Bory, who's fucking hysterical. Oh, fire. It's it's you and Bory now? Yeah, you came Man. as... I think you were one of the last people before Bory became uh, became the co-host. Dope, dope. Well, man, Bory is hilarious. Yeah, man. Number one. Number two, that clip of you and him discovering uh, Alfonso Rivera. <laughs> <laughs> Freaking <And> club. Uh, <laughs> his, his fucking tirade about... Yeah. About white women, and yeah. he's not even. I guess tirade's not fair because he's not angry. He's, he's not angry. He's just like letting it be known. Yeah, he's like, yeah. I love white women. Yeah, it's he's he's a man of passion, mm-hmm. if nothing else. Mm-hmm. But yeah, you can do all that stuff, and and oh, if you you, I don't know when this is gonna come out, but uh, uh in a few weeks. Oh, okay, yeah. well, fuck it. Don't. There's nothing I could tell you, but you can go on my Twitter. <laughs> 
or my you Instagram. You got a one-man show? Yeah, it's, it's an hour. I'm not calling it a one-man show. Right, I'm not gotta... some coward. I It's, it's a regular hour of stand-up, but uh, you can you can follow me at Langston Kerman and see what dates I have coming up for that stuff. Um, Are you familiar with uh, Tiny Twister? I don't know Tiny Twister. Okay, Tiny Twister. Oh, wait. Yes, I do know Tiny <laughs> Twister. I apologize. I do know Tiny Twister. I had to go through the little bit of Rolodex. But yes, I, Tiny Twister, please. You were already telling us, but fucking Tiny Twister, I do know. The rapper Twister, Tongue Twister, is now ventriloquist. That's right. And he's really good. He's amazing at ventrilo- <laughs> ventriloquism. Yeah. Yeah, but I just got put on to like, Tiny Twister, he'll beatbox, and then, like, he's really, he's, like... He's unbelievably good at it. It's crazy how good he is at it. Like, when, when, you might have heard it here first, but, yeah, (laughs) go, go on Twister's Instagram page. (laughs) There is another page for Tiny Twister. I'm just getting a word out. I didn't know if you knew about this. I love that you were like, yo, tell us what you got going on, and you were like, (laughs) okay, here's what I got going on. There's this rapper named Twister. You're familiar. He does ventriloquism now, and he's fucking phenomenal. Follow him. Okay, this has been my podcast. (laughs) Bye. (laughs) All right. Bye, people. (laughs) That's fun, dude. Um.